Amen. Thank you, Brother Terry. My goodness. If you brought your Bibles this morning, we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 6 through 7, and then uh, 6 and 7, and then um, uh, verse 11. And then we're going to go after a while over into the book of Exodus. Should be able to find that Genesis, Exodus, second book in the Bible. We'll look at chapter 32 in just a few minutes. But first, I want us to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm going to be sharing a message this morning entitled Golden Calf Religion. Golden Calf Religion. And so, if you would, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, out of respect and reverence for God's inspired. Um, word, if you would, please stand, and we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 6 and 7, and then verse 11, and later on we'll go to the book of Exodus. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 6, God's Word said, Now these things became examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And do not become idolaters, as were some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Drop down, if you will, to verse 11. Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our Admonitions, some translations have warnings. They were written for our warnings upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity to worship you in song and hymns and praise songs. And now to open your word to help us to understand this is your word. Father, your son Jesus Christ is the word. He's the communicator from the Trinity. He is the Word. And so you speak to us today. Help us to understand this is not words just printed on paper, but these are words from you. And so help us to remember that as you speak to our hearts this morning. And give me the words to say, the right spirit to say them in. And I make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. As we think about golden calf religion, now in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul is saying that Exodus chapter 32 is a warning for us. A warning, an admonition, a warning. So when an admonition is given in God's word, we need to take heed, we need to listen up. It's a warning. And so we're being warned this morning. So the point is, pay attention to Exodus chapter 32, where the same thing won't happen to you, won't happen to me, won't happen to us. And so the, the warning's given to us, and we'll look at Exodus chapter 32 in just a moment. Now let me give you a little background about Exodus 32 without reading uh, chapter 31 and some previous to that. If you remember, the people of God were slaves in Egypt. They were delivered out of slavery. They... God led them through the Red Sea, performed one miracle after a miracle, 
One miracle, another miracle, another miracle. He provided a miracle by giving them food. He gave them food. It came from heaven. Manna fell from heaven, this bread-like substance when they were hungry. He gave them water from a rock. He protected them from their enemies. He was taking care of them. And then God meets with them at Mount Sinai, and he shows his glory to them. Then he enters into a covenant with them, and then he gives his word to them. He gives his promises to them. And then the covenant is confirmed in Exodus chapter 24. And so Moses goes back up on the hill, goes back to the Mount Sinai, and the people remain below. Now if you will turn to Exodus chapter 32, with all of that in mind, Exodus uh, chapter 32. So what you have is, is uh, Moses is leaving the people, and he's going back up, to the mountain, Mount Sinai, and he's going to meet with God. And while he's meeting with God, notice what the people are doing. Exodus chapter 32, verse 1. Now, when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, he'd been there about a month, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come make us gods, little g, come make us gods, that shall go before us. For as, for as for Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And Aaron said to them, Break off the golden earrings, which are in the ears of your wives, your sons, your daughters, and bring them to me. And so all the people broke off the golden earrings, which were in their ears, and brought them to Aaron. And when he had received the gold from their hand, he fashioned it, with an engraving tool, and made a molten calf. And he said, This is your God, little g, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. Are you kidding me? Really? Verse 5, So when Aaron saw it, he built an altar. He's not finished yet. They built an altar before it, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, Quote, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. And then they rose up early the next day. They offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings, and the people sat down to eat and drink, and they rose up to play. And the Lord said to Moses, Go get, go get down, for your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They've made themselves a molded calf and worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, This is your God, O Israel, and brought you, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and indeed it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, and I will make of you a great nation. Now, surely by now, in the last few years, all of us are aware that our nation has turned from the teachings of the Word of God. I mean, you'd have to be hiding under a rock to not understand that we as a nation have turned from the teachings of the Word of God. We've accepted homosexuality, lifestyle as an alternate lifestyle, just to mention a few. 
We slaughter our babies in the womb, and we call it a mother's choice. We've redefined the holy institution of marriage, and we've sanctioned homosexual marriage. We've also sanctioned cohabitation. Our politicians lie without any concern. And when they're caught in a lie, they say they've misspoken. So they lie again. We've dishonored our physical bodies by what we've put in them and what we've put on them, and we never think about the teachings of God as we're doing that. The point is, we've turned from the Word of God, and even the church has turned from the Word of God. And so the question that I was looking in all of this is, how do the people of God mirror the people of God in Exodus chapter 32? How do we as the people of God today mirror the people of God in Exodus 32? How are we the same as them? Because Paul gives us a warning there in 1 Corinthians, you better be careful, this is a warning this is an admonition that you don't let, act like your forefathers. So how do we know we've married them? Let me list some things that I feel like we've married them. If you're taking notes, they'll be on the screen. First of all, how have we married those of Exodus chapter 32? First, we've sought leaders without conviction. Leaders without convictions. Now Moses was going up on the mountain and he left Aaron in charge. Thought everything's going to be all right. He was up there 40 days. Up there, you know, everything's all right down. Aaron has it down there. So Moses is on the mountain. He's meeting with God. In chapter 24 of Exodus, verse 14, Moses told the people, Aaron's going to lead you while I'm gone. So Moses was gone for 40 days. In verse 32, verse 1, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to them, Come make us gods that we can go before, that can go before us. For as this Moses, this man you brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what's become of him. And so only one month had gone by, and they they went to Aaron and said, make us gods because we can't trust our God. And so what did Aaron do? Verses 2 through 4, he made them a god. He made them a molded calf. So the point is, the leader who God had chosen gave the sinful people that he was over what they wanted. He just gave them what they wanted. So the question is this, why has our country that was founded on the Word of God, it's obvious, most of our major, uh, uh, major universities were founded by churches and preachers, men of God. Why has our country that was founded on the Word of God based its law on the Word of God and the laws of God? Why have we turned our back from the teachings of God? The answer is because, for the most part, we live in a culture today where some preachers, some national leaders, 
some state leaders, some local leaders, just give the people what they want. Now there's no doubt there's, there's some church, some churches, there's some in our church who really feel that the preacher should not preach on certain subjects. Let me list a few. They feel like the preacher shouldn't preach on alcohol. They feel like the preacher shouldn't preach on abortion. They feel like the preacher shouldn't preach on homosexuality, shouldn't preach on gambling, shouldn't preach on divorce, shouldn't preach on biblical, any biblical ethics. Just leave that alone, and they'll say, you're, you're not supposed to be involved in what? Politics. What we've done is turned from the Word of God. Preacher, just give us what we want. We want a preacher that will make us feel good. We want leaders that will make us feel good. And I pray today that I'll never commit the sin of Aaron and just give people what they want to hear. I pray that I'll never just comfort you in your sin. We're praying for a revival. I appreciate the choir singing the song. We've been, we've been praying and teaching and preaching about revival since September. And uh, I believe God's going to send a revival. We're praying for a revival to break out in our church, break out in our community, our town, our state, our county, wherever. But it'll never happen as long as we seek out leaders in our nation, our state, our cities, our churches that have no conviction of sin whatsoever. So how do we mirror God's people today, mirror God's people in Exodus 32? Point number one, we seek out leaders without any conviction of sin. That's what they did. They sought out Aaron. He had zilch, zero. So we've been warned not to follow their example. 1 Corinthians 10, 6 through 6 and 7 and verse 11. So how do we mirror today those in, verse, in chapter 32? Secondly, we've, we've devised salvation without dedication. Salvation without dedication. You see, the people of God were surrounded by idolatry there in Egypt. In Exodus Chapter 32, they were doing the same thing that the Egyptians were doing. They were making idols, or they made an idol. So the point is, God brought them out of Egypt. God had saved them from that. God had delivered them from that. And now they're doing the exact same thing after God had saved them. Now think of that. They're doing exactly what they had been saved from. Are you doing anything that you've been saved from? They were. They were the people of God doing what the Egyptians, the pagans, were doing. Chapter 32, verse 4. Notice what it says. And he received the gold from their hand, and he fashioned it with an engraving tool, and he made a molded calf. Chapter 20. Chapter 20. Let me go back there just for a moment. Chapter 20, verse 2 says, 
You'll remember this. God's word says, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. Here's the point. They're claiming their salvation while indulging in sin. You think that happens today? Does that sound familiar? Sure it sounds familiar. Claiming your salvation while you're indulging in sin? <laughs> that story is repeated every day. Every day in the church. People think, hey, we can live any way that we want to live because we're saved. Some people feel that way. Just because I prayed a long time ago, can't remember the day or can't remember the place. I just remember I, I prayed and... And, um, and, and, and I was saved, and, and now I can live any way that I want to. Really? Thousands of people, year after year, are living in sin, and they think, I'm okay because I prayed a long time ago. That's not biblical salvation. Now, don't misunderstand me. Ephesians 2, verse 8 says, For by grace are you saved, through faith, not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You see, our salvation is not based on our works. Now hear me, our salvation is not based on our works. Our salvation is based on the works of Christ, or the work of Christ on the cross at Calvary. He did all the work. But listen, when God saved you, He gave you a new heart. If you're saved, you have a new heart. Let me tell you about this new heart you have if you were saved. If you were saved, He gave you a new heart. And that new heart doesn't want to indulge in sin if you got the heart that God gave. That new heart doesn't want to live perpetually in sin. It doesn't want to do that if it's a heart given by God. That new heart delights in honoring Him. That new heart wants to glorify Him. That new heart has set you and me free from sin. And that new heart makes sure that sin no longer has any power over us. Here's the point. To say a prayer and live like you want to live is contrary to the salvation that you claim you have. You say, well, Brother Sammy, really? Well, let's look at what God's Word says. Look, uh, turn to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Keep your finger on Exodus. You're going to have to listen real quick. Romans chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then, Paul? Paul saying, what shall we say then? It's on the screen. What shall we say then? Shall we continue... In sin, that grace may abound. More sin, more grace. What's wrong with that? It's just not what God intends for it to be. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin, that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Drop down to verse 6. Verse 6 says, Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. 
Verse 7, for he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Drop to verse 10. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You're dead to sin. Sin no longer has power over you. Baptism is a beautiful expression of that. You're standing in the water and your testimony is, I have, baptism is a picture of burial. I have died to sin. Sin no longer controls me. Sin no longer has power over me. I've given my life to Jesus Christ. He's my Lord. I go where he wants me to go, do what he wants me to do, say what he wants me to say. He's my curos. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. And I've been raised in the likeness of Jesus Christ. That's a picture of your baptism. God says that you've been set free from your slavery to sin. You've been freed from your sin. No longer does sin have dominion over you. And so in language that we can understand, listen, He has not delivered you from Egypt for you to go back into Egypt. When you were saved, He took you out of Egypt. And he didn't take you out of Egypt for you to go back into Egypt. And why would you ever want to do that if you were saved? You've been delivered. You're saved by grace through faith. But nowhere does he give salvation without dedication, commitment. So we need to repent for corrupting the gospel of Jesus Christ that after I'm saved, I can do anything that I want to do. That's okay. I'm going to heaven when I die. So we, we've devised the salvation without dedication. So how do we mirror them? We seek our leaders without conviction. We have devised the salvation without dedication. Jot this down. We have worship without humility. Exodus chapter 5. Look what they did. So when Aaron, uh, chapter 32, verse 5. So when Aaron saw it, that golden calf, He built an altar before it, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. Then they arose up early the next day, offered burnt offerings, and brought peace offerings, and people sat down to eat and to drink, and they rose up to play. Now what did they do? Let me tell you what they did. They took the guidelines that God had established for worshiping Him. And they took those guidelines and they worshipped a worthless idol. They used the same guidelines. They built an altar. Guideline. They offered sacrifices. Guideline. Burnt offerings. Guideline. Celebrated. Guideline. Unbelievable. Was it a festival to the Lord? That's what he said. No, it wasn't a festival to the Lord. It was a festival to an idol. Now, who were they worshiping? You know who they were worshiping? They were worshiping themselves. Themselves. Cal mentioned that just a few minutes ago in his prayer. Worshiping themselves. We're not singing to ourselves. Know what he said? There's only one spectator. We came to sing. Or when we come to church, we come to sing, if we like the music. 
It's about what I like and what I don't like. It's about worshiping myself. We come to pray. I don't mind praying, but it's not too long. We come to listen if we really like the message or not. If we don't like it, we'll tune it out. We come to leave. Right after it's over, we'll leave regardless if anything's to follow, an invitation hymn, maybe a baptism, the announcements, uh, Lord's Supper. If there's something else, we'll just slip on out. It's all about me. Really. So who'd you come to worship this morning? Everything has been centered, perhaps, around us. So the question is, where's the brokenness and where's the humility? When God says in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, we're wanting revival, if my people who are called by my name will what? Humble themselves. So if there's no brokenness this morning in your life during worship, God hadn't reminded you of your salvation and what he saved you from and what condition your sorry soul was in when he reached down and picked you up and forgave you of your sins and put you on the right path and that didn't break your heart every time you think of it. Without any humility and worship, you haven't worshipped God. We have manufactured worship to center around ourselves with no brokenness and no humility, and that's what they did in Exodus chapter 32. How do we marry them? One more and I'm finished. I don't have but a minute, so I'm going to go over. We've created a God without retribution. This is what's so neat about having a golden calf religion. You build an altar, and you have all kinds of music, I mean, you have activity, you have music, you build this altar. And what does that calf do? What does that golden calf do? It just sits there. <laughs> Everybody's jumping around and singing, hollering, festival occasion, built an altar for it. And what does it do? It just sits there. I like what D.C. Sprawl said in his comment. He said, the calf gave no law or demands. It had no wrath, no judgment, no justice, no holiness to be feared. It was deaf and it was dumb. It was a religion designed by man, practiced by man, and ultimately useless to man. But be honest. You got to be honest. I mean, no wrath, no judgment, no justice, no holiness. Being honest, isn't that what we really want? Isn't that what we want? A God who's okay with just our indulgent lifestyle. No judges, no judgment, no holiness, nothing to be feared. Just do what we want to. Do our own thing. A God is, who is okay with an indulgent lifestyle not to intrude on our fun, just allow us to enjoy all of our fleshly wants, who's not concerned about discipline, who's not concerned about chastisement, a God who just sits there and lets us do what we want to do. A God who would never consign a person to hell as long as you gave it your best shot while you're here on earth. 
But wait, hold on a minute. Wait just a minute. That's not God. That's a golden cat. That's just, that's the golden cat. The point is the God of the Bible is a God of retribution, a God of holiness, a God of wrath, a God whose holy anger is dead set against sin. A God that hated sin so much and that his people that he created was so engulfed in it, hated it so much but loved us so much that he sent his son to die on the cross to, to be the, rest, the restitution for our sins. And by his holy nature, he is obligated to cast sinners out of his sight forever in a place called hell. So the point is this. What we, what we need to understand this morning is this. If you don't get anything out of it, get this. We're just like them. We're just like them. We're like them. God, help us to realize that we're like them. We seek leaders without conviction. We've devised salvation without dedication. We've created worship that has no humility. And we've created a God that has no retribution. We're them. We're them. They needed a Savior, and we do too. Someone who can forgive us and kindly put us back on the right track. And we have that person. Don't give up. Don't give up. You won't find it in a golden calf. You'll find it in the person by the name of Jesus. This morning, let me ask you a question. Are you worshiping a golden calf? We need to pray that God would give us leaders with conviction of sin. Starting at the top, a president, congressmen, senators, coming down to the states with governors and our legislation, and, and mayors and school board members, and just goes on down into the church, deacons and Sunday school teachers that give leaders with conviction of sin wherever they are. And then pray that we worship with humility. You know what God says in His Word, Matthew 23, 12? Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. you bringing yourself up, one day you're going to be humbled. But ever who humbles himself will happen. He'll be exalted. Pray, Lord, help me to worship with humility. Lord, help me to be more dedicated in my salvation. Some people say, Brother Sammy, I'd be saved, but I just don't think I can live it. You can't live it. You're not supposed to be able to live it. It's impossible to live it. That's why the law was done away with, and grace was offered because it couldn't live the law to its fullest. And that's why Jesus said, It is Christ which works in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. It's Christ living His life out and through you. You can't do it. But if you'll commit yourself to Him, He'll live Himself out. You, he, His light will, will come forth out of you. You'll be able to live it. But you'll never know that till you give your life to Him. Today, pray that you'll be more dedicated 
Let Christ work in you. Bring about the good pleasure. And then fourth, the good news. Jesus has taken that retribution, all that retribution of God toward us on himself, so you won't have to bear it yourself. I wouldn't have to bear it myself. But he's a holy and just God, and if you reject him in your life, you'll have to bear your own sins in that place called hell. So that's the choice you make. Let's have a prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we've had to come into your presence, open your word. God, thank you for speaking to my heart. Help me as a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ, Lord, to be faithful in what you've called me to do. I pray for every person here this morning, those who have never trusted you as Lord and Savior, who've given their total life, their total being to you, I pray today, Lord, they'd humble their heart, see themselves as a sinner, and say, Oh God, forgive me. Come into my life and save me. I'll give you my life. Please forgive me. Terrible past, Lord. I'm asking you to wipe it away. Forgive me. And he will. He will. The moment you ask him to forgive you and to save you, you start life all over again. New, clean slate. You like that this morning? He's willing to forgive you and to save you today. And then after he saves you, to use you and to manifest himself in you, to equip you with spiritual gifts that you can serve and build up the body of Christ. That's why he gave you the spiritual gifts. That's why he saved you where you can be on mission with him to tell others about how, what God's done in your life. That's why he's left you here. All of us that are saved and didn't call us on to heaven because we're on mission with him to win a lost world to himself. And we've missed it at times. Today's the time to say, Lord, I've messed up. Forgive me. Forgive me. And thank God today. Lord, I thank you for the retribution you took in my place on the cross. I can sleep better at night knowing that you did that for me. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me. Take me back to the time I was saved. Let me rejoice in those times. Recommit myself to you. In Jesus' name, amen.